This is the intro song for my asshole brain. <laughs> Here we are. Welcome to my asshole brain. Today we have a guest, our friend Karen Korn, and we're going to talk about marijuana. And normally I start off with my little spiel about how the topic that we're discussing for the day impacts your brain and what's going on in your body, but because Karen is our expert on this topic, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Instead of me giving my annoying spiel, I'm going to kind of let Karen talk about it and um, hand it over to her, although obviously I'll start off by asking you things so you don't have to just launch into, here's <laughs> what I know. Why don't you start off by, and this is gonna sound kind of pretentious, but giving your credentials so people understand why we wanted to talk to you in particular about this. Sure. It's not like you're just, hey, this is Pothead Karen. Let's ask right. her what she thinks. See, there's like a legit... <laughs> she lives in a basement and smokes a lot of reefer. She knows what's up. No. Yeah. <clears throat> Queen Madness. Um, okay, so I have a background in higher education and have a, you know a number of years of experience as a college administrator. Um, and I lost my job in November of 2017, and I had been, prior to the loss of my job, um, trying to manage a chronic pain condition of my own, which is, has recently been identified through genetic testing as Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. It's a collagen disorder, but originally I had a fibromyalgia diagnosis, and I was trying to always manage this pain while you know working full-time. And a lot of the medications I had been prescribed were causing me to have other side effects that I didn't like. And I was encouraged by friends of mine that had used cannabis medicine to help them manage their pain to try this out. So I started, you know, incrementally trying to add this into my repertoire. But at the time, it was not something that was federally legal, still isn't, and it wasn't legal in the state of Ohio. So I was, you know, quietly sneaking around doing it. So through that whole process of using the plant to help me with my pain, I'm a researcher type of person. So I started reading and reading and reading and then trying to follow anybody I could find anywhere that was using it as a legal medication. Um, my husband worked for Left Hand Brewing Company in 2012 when Colorado legalized marijuana slash cannabis in, the, in you know, the first in the U.S. And we were out there for a few different company functions um, as they were rolling that out and I became really you know interested in learning more about that and tried to just gather as much information and to be honest with you when it was fully legalized you know gather stuff like mm -hmm. buy things whenever I could go out there because I had a child with mental illness who ended up being institutionalized in Utah so I drove back and forth between Ohio and Utah a number of times going through Colorado and when I would go through there I'd be able to go into these dispensaries and talk to people and buy things and try them um, and so I really started you know, just my own little kind of scientific uh, investigation um, prior to when I lost my job. And I lost my job because I was accused of using poor judgment and wearing clothing that smelled like marijuana. And I'll get into later why I smelled because it has to do with terpenes, which is what you smell when you say you smell uh, marijuana. You're actually smelling these essential oils that are in the plant um, because the, the things that people don't like, like THC, which is a kind of cannabinoid, um, uh, or other cannabinoids in it don't smell. It's the terpenes. But to, to come back to it, after I lost my job, 
um, my best friend and I were joking around one day and we were like, you know, there's going to be this legal marijuana, uh, you know, cannabis medicine has been legalized in the state in 2016 here in Ohio. They're taking a long time in rolling this out, but it's due to launch in 2018. So why don't we start a weed school? We literally made like a (laughs) Facebook chat that was called like W-E-E-D, like (laughs) S-K-O-O-L. And... That's like, how you know it's cool. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not spelled correctly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like play school, only more fun. Exactly. And so we both started taking every class we could find online. Um, so we looked up every other organization, like Americans for Safe Access, and um, all of the companies, like the Answer Page and TCMI that the state of Ohio was using for certifying their doctors. We took all of those classes. We took things from Cannabis Training University. We took we took all these everything we could find. We took and then we traveled to some conferences. I went to um, a, a conference in Pittsburgh that was a World Medical Cannabis Conference, and really just tried to like power load formal training mm-hmm. of some kind, and um, had a false start with a different arca- uh, incarnation of the business and changed out to where we decided to name it Leaf Medic. And um, we now have built a entire online curriculum for dispensary workers uh, where they can, a person who's interested in working in that field can purchase our curriculum and take it on their phone or on a laptop or on an iPad. Um, and in the end, we've, um, we're in the process of finishing up our certification with the Ohio State Board of Career Colleges and Schools, who's approved that curriculum. And we've submitted it to the Ohio State Pharmacy Board, Board of Pharmacy, who are reviewing it currently. Um, and when we get that all finished, because it takes time for mm-hmm. this all to be um, done, I think it'll be March 20th is when we go before the board in Columbus. Then we'll have a certification program that people can take and they can be trained to work in a dispensary um, with all of these proper you know, board approvals. So. And will that be required of people? So for dispensaries in Ohio, you will need a certain type of certification? You will need a certain level of training. Okay. And the state, uh, the Ohio State Board of Pharmacy has used a number of, of different ways of going about this. They're allowing, the way they let you submit your training is that a dispensary owner has to submit it or a designated representative from mm-hmm. a dispensary. So we have a, a We've met uh, somebody out of Toledo who is um, opening up some dispensaries who we met at a conference and really liked us and said, let me look at your program, looked at it and said, I love this. I want it for my, you know, employees. So he has submitted it to the farm, the mm-hmm. board of pharmacy for us. I keep calling it the farm board because that's what we call it, <laughs> the board of pharmacy. So long story short, between this online curriculum as well as a consultative practice, we've joined Joga Somatic Arts and Kettering uh, where there are people who practice uh, clinicians who practice acup- um, acupuncture, chiropractic, massage, Krav Maga, um, a lot of different energy work and nutritional counseling, uh, using labs, a, a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. like uh, complementary medicine. <clears throat> and Joe invited us to join them as uh, cannabis consultants. So Audra and I have um, this kind of tutorial educational thing that we do there, which is a consultative practice. Where basically, if you're new to cannabis and you want to use it for medicine, but you're afraid because you've heard about people mm-hmm. who became potheads or had <laughs> became addicted to the to you the saw reefer madness yes. a long time ago, or, or even <laughs> honestly, you had a bad experience, yeah. or you know somebody who had a bad experience, yeah. because 
I know when I first got introduced to cannabis medicine, I did not have a good experience mm-hmm. with it. And I was like, I don't know why people would choose to become paranoid and mm-hmm. like have these experiences. I like, why would you want to do this? Yeah. How is that Especially fun? Especially if you're seeking it for anxiety. Why right. would you want right. Yeah, that? I was like, this is terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, thanks. I don't, I'll just stick to like a cocktail thing. Thanks. I hate yeah. it. Yeah, I, I didn't either. So, so that's kind of, I think, what drove me. I was like, wow, think of all of these, you know, aging baby boomers who are coming mm-hmm. into this phase of life where they're either facing some dementia issues because it's, you know, cannabis medicine is hugely beneficial to, for Alzheimer's patients and people with dementia, um, as well as pain, you know, because yeah. pain's like, I think, the main thing that drives a lot of people to yeah. pot. And it's, we had an entire episode where we talk about pain, and one of the things that we discuss is the legal options that are mm-hmm. available to people who suffer from chronic pain are not great. Nope. They're habit forming, yes. they're addictive, and they have many other harmful side effects to them, which Absolutely. is why we have the opioid crisis that we do today. Yes. And we even mentioned at that point that that's why a lot of people are seeking out things like cannabis to deal with it, because what we have now clearly is not working. Right. And so it makes sense that people are turning to that. My stepfather, we joke with him because he was a hippie and so of course he loved pot when he was younger. And we joke now that it's, uh, he's actually been told by doctors that he would qualify for a prescription now and that he seems pretty happy about it. And we're like, I think that sounds great. If not, because you actually, it helps with your pain, at the very least you can relive your hippie day like you're sure. hippie, like but no for him it would legitimately be for health reasons but yeah. it's nice that he has that option available to him it is and we're really um grateful that the state of ohio is seeing it through that lens yeah you know beginning to frame it that way and i think part of the problem that's happened all along when people only had black market cannabis available to use for these medical reasons is that they didn't have very much information on it and so mm-hmm. you just kind of would get what you could get and you did with it what you could and you kind of made do and a lot of times you know if it, it was too strong for a lot of people i think a lot of the time i've heard that hasn't it isn't it a lot stronger than it used to be well what i think it is is that so the the product that's usually available in the black market is ordinarily sought out by people who are interested in getting what's called very high, like having mm-hmm. that a lot of cognitive alteration, like, okay. you know, to, to having their consciousness al- altered. Mm-hmm. And that comes from one cannabinoid for the most part in the whole plant. And there's many cannabinoids, many other parts of this plant that are beneficial to humans. So over time, kind of like... You all, I'm an anthropologist, so let me begin with the breadbasket <laughs> of civilization. And humans gathered, you know, the seeds, and they always picked mm-hmm. the bigger ones. And so they kept, that's how we domesticated plants. Mm-hmm. So the way we've domesticated this plant is we kept choosing over time, always breeding, cultivating to get it to where you could have slam-in-the-face amount of THC in mm-hmm. the plant and, like, a few of the other things. P- picking certain terpenes, which was the, that essential oil part I was talking mm-hmm. about, like, to emphasize because people sometimes like what you would call an indica or a sativa mm-hmm. and that's really what that really is is a particular balance of different cannabinoids within the plant as well as terpene profile so like myrcene for example is a terpene that makes you sleepy it's the one that people talk about like couch lock when you hear about yeah. the stereotype of somebody like sitting on their butt like not getting up like mm-hmm. watching tv and so medically, actually, you can use Mercine and choose a product, a cultivar that has high Mercine. If you need 
to chill the fuck out. Yeah. Excuse my language. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're a person who's super anxious and yeah. you need, like, to take your Saturday and plant your butt because you're always working and you mm-hmm. need, like, some people are that type A. So, like, that works really well for them. It doesn't demotivate them. Mm-hmm. It helps them calm down. Calm the fuck down. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, take a chill pill, so yeah. to speak. So, but but for a long time, it would be, like, a high THC, high mercine product and people would get slammed and then not be terribly functional. Mm-hmm. And then when I say slammed, I mean like where you're just like kind of incoherent, kind of yeah. buzzed, whatever word people want to use. Stoned. Like just stoned. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I mean, it's like very stoned. Right. <laughs> As opposed to like lightly stoned. Right. So I feel like I'm. It's it sound, like it maybe the, the difference between, like if you want to compare it to alcohol, the difference between being pleasantly buzzed and being shit faced. Sure, <laughs> sure, absolutely. And, and then with shit faced, like let's say that you're a person who periodically, when you drink, you have other negative side effects, like mm. you cry a lot. <laughs> okay, like I have been that person in the yeah. past, especially if I go into a time of drinking a lot and uh-huh. I'm already like kind of emotional, that's like those emotions get accentuated. Yeah. And people have those similar experiences with marijuana with cannabis like uh-huh. I don't really think it's the same same but it's that similar kind of levels of how it yeah. can impact you so and you were talking about because I know the other thing that um, you would also use is the CBD oils yes. and I've had some experience with those as well because those are legal so if you're interested in mm, not right now in Ohio but yes well you can you're not supposed to buy them in Ohio but you can still buy them from outside yeah. of Ohio mm-hmm. and I think some stores are still selling them say I know one store locally uh, Hemptations, I believe is still selling their yes. CBD oils okay. despite being told that yeah. they're not supposed and, to be and that's been really confusing for a lot of people because yeah. I think there were so many people that were set feeling in experiencing benefit from CBD mm-hmm. And CBD is basically, what it is, is an isolated uh, cannabinoid within the whole profile of the different cannabinoids that are possible within a plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it has, like, precursors to itself, and then it has, like, actual CBD, and there's all these different um, sort of acid versions of cannabinoids, um, as well as sort of activated versions. So, uh, for example... Um, THC has a form that's called THCA. It's the precursor to THC. So to, to get high from cannabis, you have to heat it in some way to do what's called decarboxylize the plant mm. so that it activates Which is the, why people can't snort pot. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can, yeah, but it's not going to do anything. <laughs> no, no, it's totally not going to make you feel good at all. No, it'll probably like, give you a nose, nasal infection. <laughs> But um, so anyway, like THCA, you can actually pull that out of a raw cannabis plant, like a not heated plant mm-hmm. into alcohol. And you can use that as a tincture. For example, I've learned about that, you know, in all of these studies. But CBD was another property, another part of the plant that people have learned how to pull out of the plant and isolate or to breed particular species of the plant that have heavy, heavy amounts of this cannabinoid but low, low, low amounts of THC, which is the one that makes people high. Right. So hemp, industrial hemp, is a form of cannabis, but it's not the same as the one that we breed, which is a female plant that has all those flowers that everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, this is some dank bud. What they're talking about is <laughs> like those little flowers. The oranges okay. and the reds. Yes, yeah, pretty, all those pretty beautiful pictures. <laughs> right, those are all female plants, and those are all like bred to look that way. But hemp, industrial hemp, has can cannabidiol and it has cannabinoids it has cbd but it doesn't have very much it has tiny trace amounts but of that thc so people started to harvest because of medical research that was being done there were many particular like ailments that were being identified as potentially benefiting from cannabis 
and some of them it was determined you didn't even really need much of that one that makes you high mm -hmm. of those cannabinoids you didn't need that one to have medical benefit so then CBD became snake oil mm -hmm. and I say that I'm joking but it's like become this panacea kind of like yeah. You know, the magic that the all you have to do is just put some CBD on it and, like, your gangrene goes away yeah. your, <laughs> your psoriasis is gone. I mean, it's, it's like... It's kind of become, like, the new essential oil, yes. honestly. Like, yeah. you hear about people talking about, oh, you just use this and that. Like, uh, whatever combination of essential oils will cure whatever ails you. And I was... It, it's funny you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that, that a lot of people seem to be presenting it, and medical marijuana as well, as this panacea that can fix anything, and how accurate do you think that is? So there's a guy named Dr. Ethan Russo and a number of other scientists, particularly in Israel, who have been researching the plant for a long time. And also there's people that live here in the U.S. who have been not legally investigating it for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think that if you go and you read both, particularly focusing on the like legitimate studies, but then also you know reading some of the stuff that's been around for a long time, you can see that you know it has it is kind of one of those plants that we hear about on the planet have you guys ever heard of that show Hamilton Hamilton's pharmacopoeia on on Hulu no so never. it's this really interesting show where um, this is young scientist named Hamilton who goes always wearing all white to every other <laughs> part of the world to find out like where uh, original DMT comes from, like in where its original use was, or ayahuasca, mm -hmm. or peyote, or um, psilocybin, or mm -hmm. you know cannabis, or and he he goes and he tries to find people who are like original practitioners of this because most of those plant drugs that people take to be high and have fun, or they want to go and use it for a spiritual journey mm -hmm. because they've heard about it or healing or whatever, all of these plant hallucinogens that are also sort of have, they usually had a medical capacity mm -hmm. that they were used in, in an indigenous culture at some other point mm -hmm. in time. So it cannabis, wasn't just for fun. No, no. Cannabis has a lot of those kinds of historical accounts associated I think it, with When them. I was doing the research, I think it had appeared in, in Chinese writings in regards to it being used for medicinal purposes as far back as like 500 something AD. Sure. So it's, it's another one of those plants, like we always hear about, like, nettles and things that people are like, I'm elderberry syrup, yes. you know, like, I, I'm healing all my... And so, like, okay, it gets inflated in terms of what it can do, but legitimately, it's crazy how they'll start doing a study of some problem in the human body, and they'll be like, oh, well, if you realize that the endocannabinoid system intersects with this system here when you improve the function of the endocannabinoid system, look what happens. Mm -hmm. And it's ending up that, so that system that's in our body, it's one we didn't really know existed until the 90s. Hmm. That's a weird thing. We had the system in our bodies that we did not know about. Uh -huh. And um, so once we discovered it, now, think about how recent that is. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of a snake oil. We're like, plug it in, plug it in. Right. So, like, you just yeah. try and put it in there, and people find, like, somebody gets this benefit. Mm -hmm. So then they start researching all the people that are getting that benefit. And it's also very personalized. So, mm -hmm. like, all of us don't have the same responses to the different cannabinoids or the different terpenes. They're trends, mm -hmm. but it's not, like... I consumed this one and I had this experience. So when you consume it, you'll have the exact experience. It doesn't always work that way. So And, and aren't there different strains too that are bred to have different, because you were talking about the different elements that are in there. So yes. if one maybe high uh, has is higher and the one that allows you to kind of calm down, mm -hmm. 
if you know you have a specific thing that you're trying to treat, you can go towards a strain that is higher in the cannabinoid that's yes. going to be beneficial to you. So like in Ohio, we like to call those cultivars instead of strains. And the reason okay. why, and I'll explain why, because in an intentional medical program like what they've put together here in Ohio, <clears throat> they set it up so that every plant that's grown is like has a barcode. And I'm laughing because it's like technology. Yeah. The barcode is associated with a particular DNA <clears throat> of that plant. And the lab will be able to, like, they have labs and all kinds of record keeping that makes it a seed to sale program, meaning from the moment that either it is grafted and or, or seed is planted, there's various ways you can grow cannabis. Mm-hmm. Like from the very beginning, it you know what cultivar it is, what strain it okay. is. And that profile should, if all of this goes appropriately, given the water and uh, soil inputs and all that. When it goes to the lab at Hawking Hills, for example, they should be able to run it through all of their machinery there, which I haven't had a chance. I've been in contact with uh, Jonathan Cachet there, and I'm looking forward to getting to go out and see that lab because mm-hmm. I would really enjoy just, I don't know, the science of it. It's mm-hmm. really intriguing to me. Um, but they'll be able to look at each cultivar and tell you, like give you a report that says how much THC, how much cannabidiol, like how much CBD, and then how much of all these other things. And terpenes are one mm-hmm. of the things that are in it. So when you have a medical program like that, and you have a lot of products available that can tell you all of those details, consumers generally like truly should be able to go in and be like, I am looking for a capsule that is heavy in these terpenes because mm-hmm. I want to take it orally at bedtime, but I want a little vape pen that's real tiny that I carry with me throughout the day for anxiety, and I want it to have this kind of a profile because mm-hmm. I'm trying to do two different things at mm-hmm. once. So ideally, that's how a great program works. Historically, it was like, People would report to each other what they heard, and they would report on Leafly. Leafly has like a massive sort of database of yeah. Where you go and find like hazes and cushions and all of the different yeah. And so, like, when you do that, do you read what other people say? Um, sometimes, yeah. Okay, and that's how I think really a lot of cannabis medicine. I think that's part of why I like it a lot as an anthropologist. Is like there's a whole medical science part of it and a chemistry mm-hmm. part of it, and like a like a hard science. There's this whole folkloric use, like folk use, that has been going on. You were talking about your stepfather. Like, okay, even when they were getting high for fun, if you were to really talk to people, almost anybody who gets high, they'll be like, I wanted to feel happy. Yeah. I wanted to not be stressed out. I didn't. Yeah. I wanted to, like, chill and relax. Right. So I wanted just to enjoy the music and hang enjoy, out with my exactly. friends. Exactly. Or maybe, just... like, see, they have the colors be more sensual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, yeah. it was, and so I'm not saying it's, like, not recreational, but it's also a little bit medicinal. It's a little mm-hmm. bit like therapeutic. Well, you could argue, I, I would at least argue that most any drug is, including alcohol, I think there's very few people who drink just because they enjoy being drunk. I mm-hmm. think that one of the reasons they enjoy being buzzed or drunk is because it also makes them feel better in other ways. Self, like, I mean, self-medication. Right. You know, like it, it, this fixes that little bit of anxiety I yeah. have at the beginning or at the end of my day. Hopefully not the beginning of your day. <laughs> I, gotta, I mean, like maybe not. Yeah. But you know, yeah, this, you know, if I have two drinks, I feel good. If I have five drinks, I'm not doing yeah. so well. But, but it, know, it, it allows, kind of, I can socialize. I can talk to people. I'm yeah. more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that we do that already, but for some reason it's been demonized when people do it with marijuana, but it's not been demonized when people do it with alcohol. Well, the legality, of course, is... Yeah, I think it kind of has, though. 
But in terms of stigmas, I do think that there is the belief that if you are overusing alcohol or if you're getting drunk, that, that there is a negative stigma to that. But you can get away with social drinking and it's actually encouraged a lot of times. In fact, for people who don't drink, sometimes they'll get questioned a lot like, why don't you drink? What's wrong with you? You know, are you an alcoholic? So if somebody yeah. just chooses not to drink, that can be considered weird because it's such a part of our culture. Sure. Whereas I think it's improving, but I think at least with us growing up, if you smoke pot, even if you didn't get stoned all the time and you didn't do it every day, any amount of use kind of labeled you a bit of a stoner or a pothead. And it had certain stereotypes that were associated with it. Sure. And I think that as we're learning more about it, and I think that the use continues to become more popularized as the legality of it grows, I hope that those stereotypes and cliches change. I think they already are, especially for younger generations. I think so. And I think um, I think one of the things that's great about a medical cannabis program is that you learn about all these other ways you can use it other mm-hmm. than smoking too. And I think that smoking in general is in our side. I mean, I, don't, I have nothing against smoking pot. Like, I'm not, I'm a medical cannabis patient in Ohio, so I do not smoke pot ever anymore. But before I was a medical cannabis patient in Ohio, because it's illegal to smoke your cannabis as a patient in Ohio. Really? You may only vaporize your fresh flower cannabis in Ohio. You cannot smoke it. And you may also not process it. So once you're finished vaporizing it, you have to either throw away your vaporized cannabis or I did find a way you can do you can take capsules and take that vaporized cannabis and shove it in there but you can't heat it you can't make like you can't can make butter. can of butter you can't make tinctures which I'm a big fan of tinctures I think that they are a fabulous way to use cannabis medicine for people who do not want to be a pot smoker and do they so you're talking about something that you apply to your skin oh tinctures yes, you or, put under your or, tongue I'm sorry I was yeah. thinking ointment no yeah you can but actually topicals <laughs> so they do have topicals okay. yeah, yeah topicals and topicals and tinctures are an amazing way to get cannabis that sounds into like your an body. awesome band name topicals and tinctures oh I'm sorry <laughs> it'll be, be all women banned right because a lot of women like that kind of cannabis because I mean and I'll be honest with you I have met a number of women who I've developed like a, a friendship with who um have started using little bits of uh, cannabis with coconut oil, in coconut oil and putting it in their vagina and their butts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I love that you just said butts. Like we're having yeah. this highly, highly like educational. Anus. <laughs> their anuses discussion. and their vaginas. They, get their butts. they so, do. They do butt stuff with it. <laughs> and you can do butt stuff with it sexually or you can do butt stuff with it like I have a problem because I have hemorrhoids. Not me. I'm saying like, oh, if I have a right. hemorrhoid problem... <laughs> Or if I have chronic diarrhea, people use suppositories um, to stop chronic diarrhea. Really? If they have pelvic pain wow. from endometriosis, uh-huh. they take cannabis. You can put it on your fingers. On co- you can cook it into coconut oil, and you can put it into a, like a suppository or on your fingers and rub it up in yourself if you have horrible like cramps. It is amazing for all of these purposes, and people just think of it as like smoking pot. So, and that's yeah. what's so fun about it. It funny on some level, not really fun because people who want to smoke it, I think, should be able to smoke it because actually the research about cannabis smoke versus cigarette smoke impacts on your lungs are very different. Yeah. it's not really as as harmful. Well, because it doesn't have the chemicals that exactly. It's also a bronchodilator, so yeah. people with lung cancer when they vaporize or smoke cannabis a lot of times it actually improves their lung function because my uncle as he he um, had lung issues and i'm not quite sure if that's what he he had cancer and i think he had some other stuff going on i know part of it had to do with his lungs and he was on oxygen but he would because it was before it was legal he would smoke it and Mm -hmm. it 
helped him. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Which seems very counterintuitive. I, I know. It's right. a strange thing. And so it has all these, you asked me initially, like, is it really true? Is it a snake oil? Kind of back to that whole, taking this back mm-hmm. in a circle, like, it has all these ways that it can be used medically that aren't like a giant bong, which mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm opposed to a giant bong personally, because like smoking cannabis does deliver that medicine in a particular way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does have a particular impact and people who have come to like that impact don't like to give that up. Vaporizing mm-hmm. is close, but it's not exactly the same. It's mm-hmm. a little different. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sort of like sidetracked in which That's direction right. we're going with that. But, <laughs> but it still really does have a large variety of, of yes. medicinal uses so that's why i think that the whole <laughs> sorry my cat can we give some to my cat so i was gonna say i think he needs kitty cat cbd he, i would love to give my cat some they do make huh? um so that i know people down. that make uh, <laughs> cannabis products for for pets cbd products <laughs> so maybe he can be okay with the fact that the door is closed because as it soon causes as he, him immense anxiety. <laughs> he cannot handle the fact that he cannot go in and enter out. and exit. Yep. Well, and you were talking uh. about like the bong for medical purposes. I think a lot of people, especially like the older generation, that's what they think when they hear medical marijuana mm-hmm. cannabis treatment, and they think, you know, well, how is that treat you when you're just gonna smoke up a doobie? Right. So <laughs> they don't like they're not getting that there are so many other options. Exactly. And and I think that what we're going to, I predict like in the next 10 years that the aging population will be rubbing cannabis all over themselves. <laughs> like their, their doctors will be saying, let me get this cannabis, rub it all over. And then like take these drops of cannabis and take these capsules of cannabis and they'll never even think about breathing it in because they don't have to. Right. That's something they're opposed to. And they'll be picking up their products and using mm-hmm. them like they are just aloe vera gel or something. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But it has had such a stigma that it's yeah. like, no, everybody has a giant bong. Yeah. And they're going home to like, what is that noise that they're supposed to make? <laughs> right. It's kind of like a wet bubbling sound. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, like everybody's house is going to sound like that and yeah. smoke is going to be rising out of their house. Because and... it was really demonized for a while, especially for that generation. I mean, you obviously, you had, like of our parents' generation, you had the group who really embraced it, but they're kind of largely seen as like the hippies and the yeah. dropouts and that they were doing it because they just didn't want to deal with the reality and they were being irresponsible. And this idea that if you smoked pot, you were lazy and you didn't really want to work and that you weren't particularly moral and there was all these negative connotations but Did you it. ever know people that were? Because I think we all knew people who used cannabis heavily and became demotivated. No. Did you know a pothead that was like totally not doing what they're supposed to do in life according to society? Uh, a couple, but these are people who were unmotivated anyway. Okay. Like they I don't think that they I don't think the marijuana made them unmotivated. I think they were people who were already that personality and the marijuana just they enjoyed it and they were going to do it like it was it was disconnected from that they were people who just kind of wanted to do their own thing anyway and that it really didn't it wasn't a consequence of smoking the smoking was just something that they also liked to do as part of just sort of doing their own thing and and chilling out and hanging out and that's i think that's mainly my experience like in high school in high school, I knew people. I'm sorry, my cat is being <laughs> such an asshole. He really is. It's so funny. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
clawing at things. I like watching him. I'm like, is he gonna make that mirror fall on himself or something? Like, unfortunately, is it screwed to the good? Because that's what I keep worrying is that he's like chasing imaginary things. I'm just laughing. He keeps looking at himself in the mirror, and I get. I'm trying to pay attention, but I keep watching him. It's almost impossible. Maybe he's fucking stoned. I don't know. He did have some catnip earlier. Look at him. He's like, yes. I have enjoyed the nip today. And now that you're all talking about me, it's good. I don't have to keep doing things over here. Now that he's... I have all the attention. Now you're paying attention to me. This is all I wanted. So funny. What a dick. I was trying hard to be, like, serious, and I was like, he's, like, everywhere. He was, he was like, curling or something like that. I know. On a, on a completely smooth surface. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Now he's staring at me. <laughs> he is. He's looking up at something. He's <laughs> like, oh, I'm tired now. Uh, he's worn out. Good. <laughs> at least he's calmed the fuck down. So maybe we can go back to our conversation. Uh, okay. My animals. What shits? Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, as I was saying, I, I think it's been the same for me. The people I've known that smoked, for the most part, I don't, unmotivated is not the right word, but I mean, you know, there's no great overarching consequence to their life like you know they weren't trying to go to med school or anything no they just kind of wanted to chill and do their own thing like though i do remember the kids that i knew of in high school that smoked pot i remember thinking like oh like those kids are destined for nothing like they've they've ruined their lives because they smoke pot all the time and as far as i'm aware none of them have completely ruin their lives well we were also told it was the gateway drug that if you start with pot you're going to end up being addicted to heroin and what's funny is now the people who are addicted to heroin are people who were prescribed (laughs) medical prescriptions legal painkillers by their doctors (laughs) so and actually they actually say like any more of like what i hear the most is they say they think alcohol is more likely a gateway drug and that makes sense to me because, I mean, the people I know that have ever started using drugs, they didn't just, like, randomly one day, like, I'm going to snort some Coke. They yeah. were out partying at mm-hmm. a bar, drinking, mm-hmm. and someone had Coke. I don't know anyone that's been, you know, I, like, I, I, I don't know anybody say. who smoked a joint and then was like, let's go do a couple let's of lines of Coke or let's do some LSD. N- right. Well, and and that actually kind of ties into the the your podcast and and mental illness because I think that um so for a long time there's a lot of medical research and there's actually data that's been collected through a variety of different studies over the years that's that attempts to kind of lay out a causal relationship between teenage cannabis use and schizophrenia onset of psychosis so Mm -hmm. like the first psychotic break. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a lot of research that, that kind of tries to address this. But the more that I've been reading over time, it kind of shows that the more recent studies that I'm, I'm seeing are pointing to things like genetic predisposition to certain things. So you know how we can do this genetic... We can get like our array of our DNA. Yeah, made you can find like, out like what you're allergic to if yes. you struggle with insomnia, and it's all all these down different your things. And yeah, mm-hmm. and so I mean, it's not all like 100% born out to be true, but there are these certain snips, these certain like arrangements of mm-hmm. things and mutations that make some people predisposed to certain things. Other people have problems with this. Like, we can get customized cancer treatments, customized medic uh, vitamins. Um, things like that that we can we can look at so anyway uh with cannabis i think one of the things that they're starting to find out is that some people are predisposed for example to having a genetic array like the way their dna is laid out 
that they will have more, they're more likely to have that paranoid experience or mm -hmm. to become super dependent, like on cannabis, mm -hmm. as opposed okay. to some people who <coughs> will not have that mm -hmm. same experience. I think they're starting to say that they think this may be the case with the schizophrenia thing, that like some people are just fragile mm -hmm. and anything that you're going to introduce, any like heavy duty cannabinoid, maybe it's not even just THC, it could even be maybe it's CBD too. You know, mm -hmm. they're not sure about all of this. But that some people are vulnerable. But in general, I think back to what you were just saying about the people who were demotivated were seeking it out. I think what we're starting to learn is that people, and I saw this with my own kids because I have two children with very severe, like literally SMIs, like serious mental illnesses, anorexia, mm -hmm. bipolar disorder. They, those kids at, at age 12, at age 13, were already different than mm -hmm. other kids. Yeah. My son was drug seeking at that age, looking for something that was gonna make him not feel weird, mm -hmm. not feel like his brain constantly spinning, 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 so spinning. So instead, instead of the drug causing mental illness, the mental illness caused him to seek out the drug. That is what I think in some of these circumstances mm -hmm. that when they're finding this causality, that it's maybe not so much causal as much as it is like correlated in the sense right. that that person like was predisposed to having like heavy anxiety. Yeah. And so they were like, I'm freaking out all the time. I was freaking out even in third grade. Me, I was. I remember like having <laughs> yeah. the Sunday night, like, do I have to go back to school tomorrow? Yeah. So-and-so's not going to sit by me at lunch. Like, yeah. that was anxiety, you know? Like, yeah. And then you get a little older, you get a little older, it gets a little worse with adolescence. And then boom, you're like, I'm going to find something that doesn't make me feel like this. Right. And so then you go to a doctor, which is what we did. I was in tune with my children, right? Took mm -hmm. them to the doctor and they put them on an SSRI, not knowing, bipolar, to have no idea. Why would you have any idea? It's not in our family. We don't know it. He gets and on an SSRI. No, not when you're 14, anyways. 13. So then the SSRI made my son suicidal. It made him a crazy person. And we had like a long relationship with hospitals and inpatient centers because they kept giving him a drug, trying a different one. He'd feel good for a little while, then he'd be crazy, good for a little while, crazy, police picking him up. I mean, like mm -hmm. bad, bad, whole time. Sorry, I'm not going to throw a particular medical establishment under the bus, but <laughs> one institution here in town, as well as another institution that Cincinnati went to, kept insisting like, your son is addicted. He's, he's, um, he has cannabis use disorder. He has... He's overusing cannabis. In hindsight, I think when I look back at that, he was. He was dabbing mm -hmm. um, and using high, 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 high THC cannabis with no other cannabinoids in it, mm -hmm. just this real pure THC that was like making him feel good for a little while and then like kind of weird and kind of paranoid because mm -hmm. it was very, very skewed in terms mm -hmm. of like, as opposed to like the full plant profile yeah. and all of these other it's, things that kind of. Like you said, that, <coughs> that high concentrate is prone to that anxiety. Like, extreme anxiety so it's kind of like the difference between a regular old cup of coffee mm -hmm. and like taking five-hour energy drinks and like, <laughs> like shooting them up your nose yeah. like ah, yeah. like, oh, i drank like six of them yeah but, you know i mean like nobody's gonna feel you yeah, know, it's a know, different experience yeah, i don't know anyone who does dabs that's like looking to be chill and lay around that's not what that one is for. right or or just to maybe like clean your house while you're you're high i mean it depends because you can dab a full spectrum um, extract like a rosin that is actually going to make you fine. But the ones he was using, like meaning it was a balanced product, but like right. it's the cultivar that it came from, he was using like high, high concentrations of THC. So they weren't wrong that it was impacting his mental health uh -huh. because he didn't have the right meds going otherwise. Mm -hmm. And then he was like blasting his brain with this THC that was like taking him on a roller coaster ride. Right. And, and he, you know, experimented with. Some other stuff at the time too, nothing like cocaine or anything like that, but just, you know, some other hallucinogenics basically kind of playing around, I think, because he was trying to figure out what the hell is going on in my brain. Right. I want this to not feel this way. I guess 
what I was coming back around to is the cannabis use was villainized at the time yeah you know as as being a problem for him and I do think it was good that he came off of it and they figured out what meds to put him on because mm -hmm. once they figured out what he needed which was a mood stabilizer and an actually a stimulant for uh, ADHD so like uh, Adderall you know once he got those on board then when he started to use cannabis again later he was fine. He wasn't mm -hmm. like a crazy person on cannabis. Mm -hmm. he, he used it for the same reasons I did, for pain, for so sleep. So it exaggerated for... an issue he already had. And yes. once that issue was under control, then it was no longer a problem for However, him. However, if he didn't get the help he needed, like mm -hmm. it wasn't going to serve him well. Right. In that way. Does that make sense in the way I'm yeah, explaining yeah. that? So, like, and I think we all meet people who are like that, right? Yeah. So they're like using cannabis, not using it effectively yeah. for them. <laughs> so then they look like they're a mess yeah. and they're high. Or, or at the same time, maybe it's just like whatever is bothering you, cannabis just isn't going to treat. Like if you exactly. have diabetes, it's no. not going to regulate your blood sugar. And if sugar. you have bipolar disorder, it's not going to stabilize your moods. Mm -hmm. It may help you with some anxiety and depression in different capacities, mm -hmm. and I think different people learn how to use that. But if you need a mood stabilizer, you need a mood stabilizer. Yeah. You just need that. Yeah. It's not going to necessarily do that for you. And oh. When I was doing some research into it a while ago, just looking into like the impact on different brains, you know, something that's been talked a lot about more more in recent years is that your brain continues to grow and mature until you're 25. Yes. And so any heavy use of any substance can still have a bit of an impairment on that. Mm -hmm. So as your brain is developing, and this is something I tell my kids too, it's like I don't want to demonize alcohol, I don't want to demonize marijuana. But at the same time, I'm like, just if you decide you want to use it, don't use a lot of it. And even alcohol, like mm -hmm. don't get drunk all the time when you're 20 years old because your brain is still growing and developing. Yes. And so there can be some impairment in memory and cognitive function if it's something that you use very heavily during a time when your brain is still developing. Sure. Um, but other than that, like from what I just little I read about it it's not something that in terms of the 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 drugs that are legal like nicotine and alcohol it does not have nearly the negative effects no that those do which is why it doesn't make sense to many many people why it is still legal and why it's considered as dangerous as heroin and and other drugs that the US government use. has a patent on a cannabinoid they have a patent on a part of cannabis because it has been determined to be neuroprotective and so they wanted a patent on that capacity of that particular part of the plant so the US federal government believes so much that cannabis protects human brains that they got a patent on it but they have also supported education and law enforcement pursuing it as a damaging, devastating mm -hmm. drug. Because it's classified on the same level as yes. other things like... Schedule as, 1. Yeah. yeah. As heroin. So, her yeah. And even though it's been proven time and time again to not have nearly the impact. And no. it's, not a, it's not addictive in the same way as it's not as harmful. No. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm going to say this also, and I may be going out on a limb, and I, I, I am going out on a limb a little saying this, and I may be like, somebody may say, oh my God, that's bad science. But <laughs> I really believe, okay, back to genetic susceptibility and different vulnerabilities and different people having different kinds of uh, brains based mm -hmm. upon their kind, their, what they're born with, mm -hmm. right? So like my daughter, I now know, um, and my niece, both uh, were born with 
particular something going on in their array of their DNA that when they don't eat, it makes them feel less anxiety and they feel good. Whereas the rest of us, when we don't eat, we feel horrible uh-huh. over time. So like they have something going on in their brain that they're rewarded for something that other people feel bad for. So that makes sense. So, so they have anorexia. themselves, starving themselves yep. actually gives them rewards. Made them feel makes good. Makes them feel better. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Solve so many problems for them in their heads. The way they, they uh-huh. felt good starving themselves, even though like other parts of them were feeling terrible. Right. It's just the way that anorexia works. So that has to do with like. You're predisposed to that. You don't, everybody who's predisposed to it doesn't always have the experience. You're mm-hmm. like kind of trip into it by losing weight. Mm-hmm. So that's like sort of the trigger for a lot of people, for anybody who ends up with a restrictive eating disorder. I think what happens with cannabis and this whole not using a lot of it when you're young, I think if you have epilepsy, you definitely need what they've determined is that for certain kinds of epilepsy and other kinds of seizure disorders, using <coughs> cannabis as a medicine and dosing yourself appropriately mm-hmm. and sometimes actually very high doses mm-hmm. can put that into remission, can yeah. put it, make it under control. Or if you have Crohn's disease and right. you have bleeding ulcers. In and your... I was talking about for recreational only. Yeah, and so that's what I was trying to get back. So if it can be beneficial to people in high doses mm-hmm. for medical reasons, I want to reassure you that if your child was using it relatively mm-hmm. heavily, I don't think that that deleterious effect is as bad as we maybe once thought when we thought it was yeah. the gateway drug. Does and that make any sense yes. in the way I'm trying to say and that? Even what I'm trying I, to be polite without like saying, it's fine, don't worry about your kids, let them smoke down, because that's not what I'm saying. Right, you know? but, but even like, what I saw in terms of the negative effects, it still wasn't even huge. It was right. like, it can maybe impact their memory and it might impair cognition a little, but even then it wasn't necessarily permanent. Right, it's it, actually very temporary. Yeah. And I can speak to that and say, for my pain, part of what my problem was is I was a teacher and I was like a provost mm-hmm. and I had this like role of intellectual authority mm-hmm. and I sometimes couldn't like remember stupid things when I took gabapentin, which uh-huh. I really like for fibromyalgia, right? Like I, I like how it helps my pain, uh-huh. but it made me dumb. Yeah. And like cannabis can make you dumb sometimes mm-hmm. too. For some people, certain cultivars, certain combinations mm-hmm. of the terpenes and like how much you take in, all of that can make you like a little forgetful. The kind of forgetful you are, do you guys do this where you're like, I'm going upstairs to get a thing. And as you walk past two other things and you think about them for just yeah. a second, you get in the room and you're like, I, have no I idea came in here to get the thing. And <laughs> you go all the way back and then you're like, okay. Back to where you started to so remember. So it's, it's kind of a short-term memory thing. Yeah. So like if you're testing somebody, they look dumb when they're having that happen. Yeah. But it goes away kind of quickly. Like it doesn't last for you all night. You're not mm-hmm. like for days at a time. Like I smoke pot and I can't remember where I put my keys <laughs> ever. Like, it, it's, I don't it's, know my name. Yeah, it's, it's a kind of burnout it's, kind of thing that we right. equate to. Exactly. I don't think that it it sticks with you quite. And you kind of, I guess I would say like when I talk to people who are new users and they want to use it for pain, but they're like, I'm worried I'm going to be dumb. Or, you know, I'm worried I'm going to be forgetful. I always say like, just think of it as any other thing that you kind of are working around. Like uh, you learn to adapt to it. You Mm -hmm. learn to say, oh, I'm going to take my cannabis medicine. My keys are going to go here. Mm-hmm. I always put my keys here. I'm going to make sure I put my keys in that place. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be careless and just come in and do whatever I want because I know when I use my medicine, I'll be looking for my keys. And I'm going to yeah. my keys because 
I didn't put them in that yeah. place. Does that make sense, the way I'm explaining yeah. that? And, it's like... And, and it's not like I'm trying to... And when I say that, it's not like I'm trying to say that um, it shouldn't be used at all. I think... Oh, no, I didn't the, mean that. It was just that, that while your brain is still in that developmental yes. phase, it can impact you in ways that it won't impact people who are older. Absolutely. And also for me, my concern <coughs> is that when people lack the maturity to moderate, that's mm -hmm. when it can become yeah. a problem. Yes. And so, like, if you don't know when the... It's actually kind of the same thing that I told my kids about cussing. I'm like, if you're not mature enough to know the appropriate time and place yep. to cuss, then you, you shouldn't cuss yeah. at all. Yeah. So once you are old enough to understand the appropriate time and place, then you can do it. And I would I would have to say that, that using uh, any kind of recreational drug, whether it be marijuana or whether it be drinking, that like until you can handle doing it in a way that it's not going to damage your life right. then you might just want to hold off altogether and let's face it i think we all know and, yep. and i can be bad at moderating certain things sometimes <laughs> i know when i get in a habit of having a drink at a certain time every night i start craving it and it's frustrating as hell to me that i can build a habit very quickly mm -hmm. if it's a good habit that's great if it's a bad habit it's not so great mm -hmm. so for me knowing that about myself i know that there are certain things that i have to do so stuff bad things don't become habits yeah but that's because i'm old enough that i've learned that about myself yes and so with anything with any drug or or it's just my thing is that people have to be able to recognize when things are are having negative effects and that can be any behavior that's not just drugs this is any behavior sure. and so it worries me when people are younger I just get real nervous about because you see so many people, so many teens and stuff embarking on, and honestly, it's alcohol more than it's pot, um, in, in these behaviors that end up becoming very self-destructive and they have a hard time digging themselves out of it because they're younger and they're less mature and they don't they have less impulse control. Absolutely. And so they fall into things that people who are older and more mature can handle. And I think that that's also what happens is that's one of the reasons why I think it's become demonized is people like, oh, well, it's just the only re the only people who want to legalize this are teenagers. And then you know what's going to happen is they're going to get their hands on it. We're going to have a bunch of stone teenagers. And I think they just have this vision of like a nation of stoned high schoolers who can't accomplish anything. And mass hysteria. Right. And, and it's just they've got this image in their heads that's, that's really not realistic. Yeah, I think I think that's true, and I think that um, on some level, I mean, there's been a lot of programming, as you know, to make us believe things about cannabis in terms of who it turns you into yes. or who uses it and what kind of people they are. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really curious uh, in terms of your from from your perspective as people who have been really focusing on the human brain and on on the brain being an asshole. Like, I mean, that's the name <laughs> of your podcast. So, like. How do you know any people for whom it appears that cannabis has helped them to tame their asshole brain? Or, like, do you feel like it, do you know people that it appears to have been beneficial for medically in a psychiatric or psychological capacity? In terms of people using it medically, I haven't had enough conversations with people who've actually been prescribed it mm -hmm. to know. I do know that there are people who use it to deal with anxiety in particular mm -hmm. and find it to be very beneficial to them and that's my same like I have I don't know anyone that uses it medically to my knowledge um, all the people I know that use it recreationally most of them that get a benefit from it it helps with their anxiety I have a couple other friends that I think mainly it just keeps them from murdering people which I guess you could 
count as anxiety. Well, I, I was going to say actually, <laughs> my, my daughter. Yeah, my daughter. My daughter and I have talked about this a lot recently. Um, you know that story about I don't remember her name, the famous salad comb story that's been going on. Senator running for president from a western state who had her aide running to get to the plane. They were all getting on a plane. She, the, the aide bought a salad she had demanded having. They, they were not given a fork. She got on the plane with the salad. She wanted to eat it. There were no forks in the plane. So she proceeded to, in a very kind of flamboyant and dramatic way, yell at the aide, take out her comb out of her purse. I don't know who what the name of this I'm sad. I person is. I'm story. like, it's, it, uh, there was like a salad with a comb in it that went around as a meme on Facebook. But <laughs> um, anyway, she ate the whole salad with the the comb and then handed the comb in a very like dramatic way to her aide and was like go wash this kind of like devil wears Prada kind of like creepy <laughs> like so I just looked up Senator Salad Comb yeah. and it came up with yeah, there you go it's a uh, Klobuchar is yes. that it okay, okay. okay. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry I was like God I know Amy Amy it's Amy something and I was yeah. like in my head going um, so so like that whole story I read it to my daughter and she was like well because you know she has a very severe anxiety disorder because anorexia really is just anxiety but mm-hmm. like it, the way it manifests itself was with weird restriction. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, oh. And she was like a crazy person. Takes his comb out. Whatever. And my daughter's like, well, I can just read everything you just read to me there. I can just tell you right now, that woman has severe anxiety. Uh-huh. She was super angry because she was anxious. Because mm-hmm. that's what happens to people with really severe anxiety. They get really angry. Yeah. So when you just said that about not killing somebody, I mean, it, legitimately, that's an exact example of what anxiety feels like for yeah, somebody. And with, it's stress. And, you know, how do you take the stress down? Like and what? when things don't meet your expectations, because part of anxiety is wanting to have control and predictability. Right. So when stuff isn't how you expect it to be, I'll do that sometimes. Like, I'll get really angry like if and I'll know it's stupid I know I'm being irrational like I expected there to be six people here and there's five like what the fuck is going you know that's kind of a shitty example no no it's exactly it can be something very mild and it's a little different than what I thought it was going to be in a situation that's already stressful Mm -hmm. and I get really mad about it well look at it like a work perspective you have four co-workers and the ex- expectation is that all five of you are going to do these things and it's going to make your job work but you go to work and the only two people working are you and one other person so your expectations are that people are going to come to work and do their job and you get to the end of the day and the only people that worked are you and one other person mm-hmm. like your expectation was completely reasonable but also your anxiety yeah. is heightened because you're like I have to get it all done now yeah I'm stressed I'm, I'm anxious that I'm and not I don't going to be look, able and to and I don't want to look like the shitty worker yeah. because I was doing my part but no one else did that. But that's also a situation where you are negatively impacted by it. I'm talking about I'll get uh, I'll get frustrated with situations that are different than I expected, even when it doesn't really oh, impact. Well, situation. because you are, yes. you are predicting, you are predicting that it's coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think because you're smart. I mean, like anxious people are smart people too, right? They've experienced something once before, so like, oh, I know what's going to happen there. Yes, I know. I know how, I know how this is going to play out. <laughs> I've been here before. Yeah, and I have anxiety <laughs> because I can see the future without yes. seeing it because yeah. I already know. And like, so she was, she was pointing out to me, she's like, yeah, I know that woman's a bitch. She didn't handle it right. But right. like, I totally know what was going on in her head. I've been that person. I've been angry because I'm anxious. So to, yes. to the point, so if like weed can make you like a little less angry slash anxious in general, it does make people easier to deal with. I yeah. would argue. Like my, that's sometimes. My mother jokes all the time that my father would, is, my father is horrified by the idea of marijuana. The fact that we're trying to legalize medical or recreational horrifies him. When it was on the ballot, like, what, two, three years ago, my dad was all about voting against that because, ah, uh, thinks it's dreadful. 
my father would be so much better if he smoked pot. Mm-hmm. Because that man has horrible anxiety that mainly manifests as him being a big, huge asshole. Mm-hmm. So what but is he very, afraid of? What is it he thinks is going to happen if it becomes legal? Honestly, we're pretty sure the issue is is that he smoked pot once in like his 20s and he didn't get high and he's held a grudge against it ever since because that's the way his brain works. <laughs> but he just, he thinks like people, he thinks it's something that criminals smoke, mm-hmm. that low class people smoke, that it just, it's going to lead to crime. Like he just has a very antiquated way of looking at it and there is no way of convincing him otherwise and that prejudice was cultivated yeah there were people and when i was doing my research on the history of it i was surprised to discover that hearst the big uh magazine magnate hated pot and would frequently write stories demonizing it and talking about how because at that time it was something that was kind of Recreational use of it, from what I understand, was introduced by Mexican immigrants. And so, of course, there are racial undertones to this as well. The idea that one of the reasons people didn't like it was because it was something brown people did. And it was also something Black that was... Black jazz musicians yes. preferred it over alcohol. They yes. felt like it helped them in general. It was just a cultural yeah. thing so it was, in their communities. Mm-hmm. And so that was like... Plus, those jazz musicians were sexy, and white women thought they were sexy. And so that was... <laughs> right. not You had to stop that. Right. You had to make and, them not sexy. And it was... Poorer people, so mm-hmm. you know we hate poor people. Oh, of course. So we've got to, you know. So it was, it was classist, it was racist, and he used uh, a lot of his yellow yeah. journalism Absolutely. to really campaign against marijuana and paint the users of it as the worst kinds of people. And it was very successful. And yeah. that kind of thing has, and you can see those stereotypes continuing to this day, even though that was like a hundred years ago. It's crazy to me that there was so much fear surrounding it and that, that, and that it has persisted through generations and generations. I guess, um, yeah, I think that it ties into a lot of though some of those other narratives like you were saying, that we like, that have sort of shored up our American identity, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, some of the, the racist ideologies mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think as those die, hopefully some of the prejudices against cannabis die as well, mm-hmm. meaning as, as more of those things are challenged. Um, but overall, I mean, I think one of the things that I've noticed, okay, for example, um, in Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati is a pretty conservative part of our state, mm-hmm. um, and they have what's fascinating to me: two of their hospitals, in particular, Christ Hospital System, has been open to allowing patients to even bring their medical cannabis into the hospital if they need to be treated for something like cancer, mm-hmm. and they're using it to manage their symptoms associated with cancer. They've been really there's a couple of uh, in the University of Cincinnati Hospital System. Um, Epidiolex is a cannabis-derived pharmaceutical medication that's just recently been patented and, and launched. Um, very expensive. It came out of some UC, one of the researchers involved in it was at UC um, in their research uh, medical program. So, like, it's interesting because their medical practices are not as clear-cut against it as, like, Cleveland Clinic is just like, no, if you're in our hospital system, if you're any provider, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, and that amazes me for Cincinnati. Uh, right. So, but ironically, they have one dispensary 
and all of Cincinnati. And we met the people who are going to be, you know, who are the, the owners of it. And it is an African-American reverend who has worked with people who have been criminal, like in imprisoned for mm -hmm. years over, you know, dealing with his congregation mm -hmm. or people who've had a lot of criminal yeah. charges against them. Some of them related to cannabis, to, to marijuana, to pot, dealing, smoking, whatever. Right. And it's this reverend who got the, the dispensary license. And then the, all the people that are going to be working with him in that dispensary are all like people who are, were formerly incarcerated or have been formerly like in the illegal you know, market mm -hmm. that are going to be able to do things ab above board and make some money off of it, not white people as well, which, you know, the history of legal persecution and, and you know, criminalization and consequences, both mm -hmm. financial and in terms of criminal records, goes like heavy, heavy on, on black Americans. Well, there's, so. been, there's been some politicians in the last couple of years, especially in the last year, that have said things talking about the legalization of marijuana, either medical or recreational and have said in their speeches and in, in stump campaigns and things that marijuana has always been legal for white people. Mm -hmm. Kind of pointing out that, you know, it's, you know, you don't hear about white people that get sent to prison for 20 years for pot. You hear about black people who get sent to prison for smoking a joint or for mm -hmm. having personal care and, you know, they're there for 15 years. You are seeing that even in that national narrative Absolutely. and politics and so people are very much recognizing that divide between the races and yeah. how that came up recently when Miley Cyrus's mother posted a picture of herself on social media standing outside of what looked like a gun locker that was filled with bags and bags of weed. And it wasn't hers apparently, but she was standing next to it like Vanna White displaying a refrigerator <laughs> and um, kind of joking about it. And there were other people that were like, if you, black. it's so nice yeah. that you have, that you can post this and everybody thinks it's funny or makes jokes and it's just not a big deal. But if you were, especially uh, black but also not famous, mm -hmm. then the, the response to this would be very, very different. Now, granted, she's in California. Well, I mean, and granted, she's in California where it's legalized anyway, although I don't know if having that much of it is Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think the quantity there might be a problem. Right. right. I, don't, I don't know. But uh, it, it, people even pointed out, it's like, yeah, the reaction that you're getting to posting this picture would be very, very different if you weren't. And so it's really interesting to me because I imagine in the black community that the whole medical use thing is going to be even weirder because it's like... Think about it if you've had family members that have been in, put in jail because of selling or using it, mm -hmm. then some your doctor's going to say to you, like, hey, it might be a good idea if you want to use some medical cannabis. Like, I just imagine generationally that for, for black Americans. They're not going to believe it. No, I mean, there's going <laughs> to be like, even sounds harder. Like yeah, yeah, like a, like, cracker. <laughs> yeah, like, like an is. even harder sell. <laughs> so... And I just, I was really happy. I, I, Any time that I can see people who, people of color who are going to make money off of this, I feel like, good. Because it seems like, in general, the way that the industry tends to go is that, like, white people are going to also make money off of the legalization. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, that's been the majority of what I've mm -hmm. seen just in the little bit of reading and, and following I've done of, mm -hmm. you know, what's happening in Ohio and nationally. It's white people, and it's mm -hmm. white people that are, appear to be pretty well to do that are going into it so mm -hmm. it's even in this sense it's very skewed yes well you also you usually you have to have the money in order to start the business anyway and let's face yep. it more people who are going to have that kind of 
startup. Financial backing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What's going to be really interesting to me is uh, as legalization continues across the United States, especially for recreational uses, is how that's going to impact people who are in prison now. And I know that there have already been some people who've said that people who are, especially in states where it's now legalized for recreational use, people who are serving sentences for having used it at what would now be con- or ha- at legal levels, legal mm-hmm. amounts should should be released, and I think there are a lot of people who are for that. But then there's other people who still say, you know, but it was still illegal when they did it, so they still technically committed a crime. But at the same time, it's like, but we're also paying to keep them in there for doing something that is that we're now making money off. So we're making money, yeah, mm-hmm. making money off of a crime that we're saying they. Could. Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that changes as legalization continues because I suspect that it will do you think they're going to reclassify it do you think that's going to happen I'm curious about that so one of the things you guys brought up in the beginning was the CBD and uh, so and I was saying that it comes from hemp now Mm -hmm. and you can get it because of the farm bill that just passed Mm -hmm. um, CBD hemp was made like a legal commodity that Uh can be produced in any state now. Like states can make their own rules about what they want to produce and who can produce and licensing and all of that, but it's no longer considered a scheduled product. It's Mm -hmm. like an industrial product. But you can get cannabidiol, you can get CBD from hemp, and so you can use it medically. So um, so with CBD, the, the thing that's happening in Ohio is they went, so CBD was legal in Ohio, mm-hmm. cannabis was illegal. Then we launched the medical marijuana program, and then in California, uh, where they have had both medical and now adult use has all been legalized, they made CBD illegal in California. Because people were, it was unregulated. So it wasn't going yeah. through their seed to sale program. It wasn't going through their adult use program. It was just out there in the supplement world. Yeah. And so Which is people, kind of hazy anyway. Exactly. The <laughs> FDA wasn't going to oversee it yeah. as a food supplement. It was like, it was falling through all the cracks. Yeah. And California started having cases where people were buying it at gas stations, you know, for pain. Yeah. And getting something else in it. Either like yeah. synthetic marijuana, which is spice or K2 or whatever that's called. I don't even know why anybody made that, but, well, I think it actually comes from pharmaceutical drugs that have been mm. bastardized and fact. Anyway, uh, so we'll set that aside. But that whole, <laughs> that whole, so it was either like, a, you know, a synthetic marijuana or a synthetic cannabis, or it was like just not what it said it was. Right, which is a problem. Exactly. And so I think that what the state, the farm board, the OMMCP, the Ohio Medical Marijuana Control Program decided they wanted to do was like, okay, before we even like really get this thing going, let's pull back all of that too and make it illegal so we can regulate all of it. But then there's been, I'm sorry to say this, a bit of a push pull about who's going to make money off of regulating what and who gets to put it under what category. And different parties have different concerns and have different arguments to make. Personally, from my perspective, as a medical, like I'm in favor of medical cannabis and I would like to see us have a healthy industry. I think that we should be able to have hemp CBD produced in any variety of places. But if you're going to sell a product and include hemp CBD in it, you have to send it through one of the regulatory uh, labs yeah. here and have it screened so that patients who buy it from either Whole Foods or uh, seltzer, because the Queen City hemp yeah. makes these delicious <laughs> seltzers. I'm yeah. saying I've had one of those, yeah. Yeah, they're it's tasty and, they, and it's like a mild dose of it in it yeah. and it's just kind of, you know, subtle. You don't taste anything other than the seltzer. Yeah, it's it just, just tastes a, like, it tastes like yeah. a regular thing of seltzer. Um, so like a product like that, they could have their, ex, their isolate uh, screened 
make sure it is what they say it is, uh-huh. and then they just mix it into their product the way you would mix anything into, and you know. And there are companies that will do that. For instance, one that I've seen, like, and you can go online because there was an article that I was reading about this. And because, in fact, the reason I started researching it was because someone I know who used CBD had given some to his girlfriend. I think she was using a different brand, though. She had to take a drug test for work because they do regular, mm-hmm. and she screened for THC and so she's like that's it I'm not using CBD anymore so I started looking this up and I was like can you test I wanted to see so will you test positive for THC if you're taking CBD and it was kind of a shouldn't right right. I have heard though that they have some hospitals locally like for their screening tests for people they're hiring there is something that they are screening for that specifically picks up CBD oil. Does not go by THC. It goes by the CBD. Well, yes, oil. they can. They can specifically yeah. look so for there CBD. There are places that are screening for that now, and like in these medical facilities, they are denying employment based on just CBD oil. But the and, but the issue that. Um, came up when I was looking at this is because of what you were saying is since there's not regulation you don't know what you're getting so you could be getting something synthetic you could be getting if you don't want THC in it and you really just do want CBD you could get something that that has THC that could that could create problems for your employment you could end up getting results that you don't want so I completely understand the need to have it regulated in terms of making sure you're getting what you say sure and there are companies there was a place where you can look up you can see if there's been reports on a particular Particular mm-hmm. type of CBD where people where it's where people have said you know it's not pure or it had THC and there's certain companies that will even elect to send theirs to get it tested mm-hmm. so that you can be sure mm-hmm. you can look up the results on your specific batch to be sure that what you're getting is exactly what they say you are and a good company will do that yes right mm-hmm. I mean and I think that so then it becomes who's going to regulate the good like the not good companies right and and so the good ones you know you can go to and that they'll pass other third-party screenings mm-hmm. and I think there's a place for all of that regulation. I like the regulation mm-hmm. in the sense that I would like to know what I'm getting when I pay for something. And plus, yeah. all of this stuff is not cheap. Right. It's just not super. It's not like a dollar ninety nine. No. You know, we're not talking about something. We're talking about something that's usually twenty five dollars or more, depending on the product. I say, I mean, yeah. Most of the ones I've looked at have been a forty to start. So right. I mean, like if it's just bucks. a tiny little like balm or something, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe it's twenty five. But it's nothing. We're not talking like chapstick no. you know what I mean like it's it's usually relatively a little a step above that like yeah. cheap pharmacy stuff mm-hmm. to resolve your problems right there you already have you know a little bit of a higher price point that that people I hate to say it but somebody who's doing something duplicitous realizes they can make some money off of yeah. so it's good to have screening and have regulation and also back to that point I was making about like customizing your products I mean honestly in adult use states states that have really robust programs. I predict that in five years, people will be buying, ordering, delivered to their home, curated cannabis experiences, you mm-hmm. know, where you buy like a set of things you know you want for daytime, a set of things you know you want for night. You have some problems with this psoriasis, you'll get about like, I, it's it's an amazing plant in that way. You can do a lot with it um, in terms of, you know, curating your own experience. So I, I think when you were saying about um, recreational use, I think when it moves into adult use, and there is that kind of money behind it. There'll be more access for people to have more personalized experiences yeah. with it. Because and right now too, if I don't know if reclassification would also mean legalization at the federal level. Because I know now, as long as it's still illegal at the federal level, even if a a state 
elects to make it legal, employers yeah. can still say, actually, I don't know if it even matters if it's federally legal or not, because there are certain employers now that can say that they're not going to hire you, that you have to be like uh, nicotine free. So they won't yeah. hire you if you smoke, even though cigarettes are completely legal. So there are still, there are employers who have every right to say, if we find out that you're using this, even if it's legal, we're, we're going to fire you. Well, have you heard about the big push for like STEM education here in the Miami Valley? Like everybody wants you to go get degrees in STEM and we have like STEM schools. A lot of that I think is tied into language about we have a problem in our area, apparently, because nobody can pass drug tests, and so nobody can get proper employees. Have you not read about this? Yes, so, I've heard, yes. <clears throat> so you can't get good employees because nobody can pass a drug yeah. test. And we know that we have a heroin, an opioid problem in But our I think area. they're often talking about marijuana. Though. I think they are as well. So I'm hoping that over time some of that's going to change because I think for certain kinds of jobs, I understand if you're operating precision equipment yeah. or heavy machinery that you don't, you probably should have a really good plan for your employees that they get lots of time off mm -hmm. that's paid because if they have pain, they can't take anything. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, let's zoom out even on nurses and doctors for a minute. What can you take if you are a, a nurse female nurse and a larger male patient grabs you at mm -hmm. some point because you're trying to help them and they pull on you and you tear something pull something but you only have a certain amount of time off work and you have to go back to work and you go back to work and you're in pain you literally can take Tylenol or Motrin as a nurse you can't be on opioids and work can't be on cannabis they don't give you very many options so yeah. in those circumstances I feel like people eventually we're going to come around to where we say, well, what's worse? Yeah. What People need to have something to manage their pain. I don't know. I, I feel for people who have to work in pain who don't have anything they can take or don't have a job. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, yeah. if you're not going to pass the piss test for drugs, mm -hmm. usually it's because you have something wrong with you. Like you have pain of some mm -hmm. kind? Yeah. Most people? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Or you, I mean, or you know, even if you want to go, just have a mental health condition that's undiagnosed, which is why you're self-medicating. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, presumably, and that's pain. I think right. what frustrates me about it is that, like, this idea that, so, you can go get drunk on the weekend and you can still go back to work on Monday, and the fact that you were drunk on Saturday night isn't going to impact anything. But if you get stoned, on Saturday night and you go back to work on Monday, despite the fact that you're not still stoned. If they decide to drug test you for that, right. you could still get dinged Absolutely. for it because it's yeah. still in your system, even though you are stone cold sober. That that's a better way of putting it. That I was I was really trying to just emphasize like how hard it is for people to figure out how they can work and well, pain is a that's a completely different <clears throat> thing. But I'm saying you're saying even, even just you, for for recreational, recreational use. Yeah. That's the other trick, and that's one of the things that I've heard people say is that, well, you know, we don't really know how long it takes to get out of your system, so you could smoke it Saturday night and still be stoned on Monday, and I'm thinking, I don't no. believe that's how it works, no. but because there's no, like, you can't do, like, a, you know, if you're drinking, they can do a breathalyzer, right. and they can see if you're over or below. They don't have a measurement for pot, and so if it's in your system, then you're guilty, regardless of how yeah, long ago. Our system is set up, if you smoked weed on Saturday and you test positive on Tuesday cut it, you're out, whereas you can go home and get shit-faced every single night and come in hungover the next day and repeat the cycle over yeah. and over, and nobody cares. Yeah. Other than, you know, like, Dave smells like booze. <laughs> other than that, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. 
And that doesn't make sense. One is responsible use in that situation, and the other one is definitely not. Yeah. And that goes back to, as we were talking about, like the stigma involved with it. Right. You know, I think that obviously colors people's responses to it and opinions about it. Well, I think we've had a very interesting and educational conversation and I really appreciate the fact that you know you knew all the stuff so I didn't have to do a bunch of research (laughs) and it was interesting and educational yes which is a rarity sometimes thank you Karen so much thank you for having me and I hope that you have a lot of success with your business and that you know uh, that this continues to be something that is available to people who need it because I think that there's a lot of benefits we did the the whole conversation that we did in our uh, pain Mm -hmm. one um it's very eye-opening and frustrating to see the lack of options that are available to people and knowing that people have had so much relief with marijuana it really for no other reason that alone for me makes it something that i think needs to be available to more people well that's good to hear i hope i hope that things change and that we and you know again i think it's just like a lot of other things um in our society right now i think a lot of sort of how do i say that Doors are being opened, or mm-hmm. like you know, sashes are being thrown back from windows. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I was, uh, but you know, where <clears throat> we're starting to question things that we maybe had like ideas about in the past, and we're yeah. revisiting them. So yeah. I hope that more people continue to revisit it, and that it begins to become something that everybody feels like they can access if they want to, mm-hmm. and if they need to, and they don't worry that yeah. they're doing something wrong. Because if antibiotics were like that, it would be weird. If you yeah. were like, secretly going to use it. <laughs> I have strep. Don't tell anyone yeah. I'm going to use this. I have a UTI. I'm going to take some Bactrim. Right. <laughs> right. I gotta go to, I'm going to go downtown. I'm going to buy some Bactrim from my dealer. Right. <laughs> right. So. All right. Anyway. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Remember, it's not a competition. Because we are all fucked up. Bye. <laughs> We are not scientists, medical professionals, or mental health experts. We are simply two people interested in discussing a topic that affects everyone, either directly or indirectly. We are not expressing expert opinions, and anything we say should not replace medical advice or treatment. If you're struggling with depression or anxiety, especially if you are thinking of harming yourself or someone else, please seek the help of a mental health or medical professional. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is one 800 273-8255. You can also chat with them online. Take care. My Asshole Brain was written and hosted by Amanda Green and Stephanie Coons. Artwork by Doug Tolles, produced by Stephen Beasley, and presented by Greasley Enterprises. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.